0: As Dylan once said, the times, they are a-changing. That certainly applies to farming these days. We now know that the existing payment scheme will
1: be wound down over the next four or five years and the replacements coming in by our The journey towards net zero and, and climate change and then... We're now seeing some supply chain issues which probably are gonna be around for a little while. We've details
0: of a business seminar coming soon to Lincolnshire that aims to clear things up and it's blackgrass time again.
2: We're now starting to see quite high levels of blackgrass coming through over the last 7 to 10 days, even despite those pre-emergent stacks, which some difficult questions are going to have to be asked now.
0: Sean Sparling has blackgrass and herbicide advice for us this morning, plus a sugar beet campaign update one month in, and open fields, Fred South reviews the markets.
3: The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard.
0: Good morning. Hope it's been a good week for you. The government has launched a new strengthened Trade and Agriculture Commission following criticism by MPs and delays in its establishment. International Trade Secretary Anne-Marie Trevelyan made the announcement on Thursday as part of the government's response to previous commission recommendations. She said the commission, which was first launched last year, would have a formal role to play in informing MPs and the public on the impact post-Brexit trade deals would have on the farming industry. Its members have expertise across the agricultural, food production, veterinary, animal welfare, environment and international trade policy sectors. Trade associations have said that the UK-New Zealand trade agreement is a blow for UK farming and warned it will create an imbalance in market opportunities. Prime Minister Boris Johnson announced the deal on Wednesday evening, saying the development would benefit consumers and businesses. Tariffs on New Zealand dairy, along with sheep meat and beef exports to the UK, will gradually be phased out. And whilst farming groups there have hailed the trade agreement, industry bodies in the UK have raised concern over its impact. The NFU warned it could. Contained little discernible benefit for farmers in the UK as it would open our doors to significant extra volumes of imported food. The National Sheep Association also highlighted concern that the free trade agreement risked undermining the UK sheep sector's high standards. And now the dairy sector has raised concern, namely over skewed market opportunities, the impact on sustainability, and the lack of collaboration between government and farmers. If you have woodland, you're being urged to remain vigilant for a new tree disease discovered this week. The warning comes after the tree pathogen Phytophora pluvialis was identified in a woodland in Cornwall. The fungus-like pathogen is known to affect a variety of tree species, including western hemlock, Douglas fir, tan oak, and several pine species. It's reported to cause needle cast, shoot dieback, and lesions on the stem, branches, and roots. We're being asked to report any suspect trees online via Tree Alert. And we're one month into the new sugar beet campaign. How's it looking so far? Lincolnshire grower Andrew Ward in a moment. First British Sugar's Tessa Seymour. Tessa, good morning again.
4: Morning, Steve. So uh, New has definitely had some challenges. The first few weeks have not gone as planned, um, but we're going to continue working to improve it. And we're obviously very grateful to growers and hauliers and harvesters for their continued patience and support. The factory is really uh, concentrating on making sure that we can work to improve the consistency across the whole site. And by improving the consistency, we will be able to have a more reliable uh, running factory.
0: Okie dokie. And have you actually had much beet coming in so far?
4: So we are really thankful to everybody. Um, We've had the right amount of beet coming in. It's been great. We have had to divert some to Whistleton to help any any beet that's been harvested sitting in clamps. We don't want it sitting for too long. So we have to wherever we can. And and the beet is looking really good as well. So that's fantastic.
0: Quality-wise, sugar content, how are we looking?
4: A sugar content we're about set around seventeen percent on average. Quality is looking really good. Dirt has um, low um, as expected. It's been pretty dry, so that's great. And the average yield seems to be uh, much better than obviously last year, but we're expecting them slightly above the uh, five-year average. So that should be quite good.
0: Good, good. And apart from the issues you've had actually at Newark, any other issues that you see?
4: No, all four uh, factories are now up and running. So we, we've got a lot more flexibility on, on getting production through and if we do need to move the beat across. But overall, it should be onwards and upwards with the it now. Um, they'll, they'll keep uh, a start on scene to make sure that it's running OK. Uh, and they'll keep the whole factory team will work really hard to make sure that the factory can keep running. Thank you to everybody on farm. And um, keep uh, safe and, uh, uh, and happy, really, please.
0: All right, Tessa. Thanks again. Thank you. And Andrew, how's the start been for you?
3: Yeah, we've had a, um, a good first start to the sugar beet harvest, really, Steve. We lifted our first field about three weeks ago. I'm yeah pleasantly surprised. It lifted very well. We had a fair bit of rain during lifting, which was a bit unwelcome, but generally it lifted very well. And, um, yeah, I'm pleased with the crop overall. It's good.
0: Because we've not had any issues with uh, virus yellows or anything particular like that this year. What's quality like coming out of the ground?
3: Virus Yellows last year absolutely hammered the yields. We averaged last year around about 52 tonnes a hectare. That is probably half or just a bit more than half where we normally are. This year, the first field we've done, we've averaged uh, 89 tonnes per hectare. The sugar is 18.1% and all the impurities on the sugar are good and the dirt tears so that means the soil that actually goes into the factory with the sugar beets were really low because it was uh, you know because it's been quite dry despite the bit of the rain at lifting so generally as an early lift i'm really pleased with it when we lift in september the problem can be that we harm the yield but we have to lift it and get it out of the ground in september or we'll start then because we want to get the following wheat crop established and on heavy land you can't do that in November, December, such as you can on, on the light soils. And sugar beet does put on quite a lot of weight during sort of September and October and early November. So that's why we've only only lifted or harvested one field at the moment. But we have another 50 acre field on the on the heavy soil type, and we are going to start doing some of that next week. Uh, so so all in all, really, you know, compared to last year, the sugar beet harvest at the moment this time is, is coming up and doing well. Good stuff.
0: All right, Andrew, uh, let's hope it stays that way. Time for an agronomy update from Sean Sparling now. Good morning and good to have you back, Sean. How are the fields looking?
2: Yes, morning to you, Steve. Yeah, a bit of tense out here at the moment for several reasons, but one common thread running through it, which is, of course, the weather. Um, whether that be the dry stuff that we took a few weeks ago that saw a lot of wheat going into uh, some questionable blackgrass fields, I think it's fair to say while it was dry and before it started to rain, and we're now starting to see quite high levels of blackgrass coming through over the last seven to ten days, even despite those pre-emergent stacks, which some difficult questions are going to have to be asked now, or whether that be on farms where the drill's been delayed to a much more blackgrass conscious time like it is now and it's come too wet to drill so remember when we talk about delaying it's not about calendar date that's just a guide it's all about what the blackgrass is doing and when it starts to do it so the complication we have now the weather has now delivered another wet week which has frustrated our drills once again so there's a lot of hindsight farming going on out here Uh, shoulda woulda coulda farming I think my grandfather used to call it so with such a high dormancy though in the Blackgrass seed burden this autumn. As I said a couple of weeks ago, blackgrass is only really in the last seven to ten days start to flush properly. So even now, I have fields where we would expect to see far more than we've seen. So we're at the end of October now, day length shortening, temperatures falling, the land doesn't dry out like it did only a couple of weeks ago, so it's very understandable that there's a simmering undercurrent of panic and anxiety on farms who have yet to drill autumn cereals but there is plenty of time yet and that blackgrass, of course is now flushed in those stale seed beds in that wet period, so the weather's given us that break, It stopped us drilling, so fortunately at least we can get some glyphosate in the stale seed beds will have done their job and we can start clean when we finally can travel again. So wheat growth stages vary from still in the bag to about three leaves but in the main mine's about two leaves where it went in around five, six weeks ago. One to one and a half leaves on the heavier land. Manganese deficiency showing up on some of the lighter land and of course don't confuse that with herbicide uptake which thanks to the heavy rain we've seen just recently is quite widespread again this autumn. It should be fairly transient bleaching from things like Diflufenacan from wash through usually grows away from wash through flufenacet too but If the seeds were exposed and it was hit directly with that flufenacet, pendomethylene, clonifen, triolate, that can be far more long term in terms of the damage it causes the crop. So get the seed at least 40 millimetres deep and well covered. That's the most important thing and you really can't do much more than that. If you're on blackgrass land, by the way, the risk of herbicide uptake damage is way less than the risk of not putting that herbicide on and getting a crop that's full of blackgrass. We have so few post em options these days that if you don't get that pream on within three to five days, once the blackgrass roots start to move away, you never get back on top of the blackgrass, and it's not a happy thought to have fields full of blackgrass. And by the way, if you are delayed, you don't get your pream on and the crop is emerged when you get to spray it, do check with your advisor just in case any of the doses need amending. Also, of course, a lot of broadleaf weeds coming through, particularly in emerge crops on the lighter land where we don't put pre on on them. Not as many options, of course, as there were last year either. We've no HBN anymore now that we've lost that. So things like Florazilam, very good on brassica weeds, mayweed, groundswell, shepherd's purse and volunteer beans. But unless volunteer beans are swamping the crop, I tend to leave them alone and not worry about them too much in the autumn. If you add fluoroxypa to Florazilam with things like Spitfire, you bring chickweed and cleavers. And if you suffer with problems of Linseed volunteers, then that fluroxipa will also help you out on that. Picolinefin very good on poppy, shepherd's purse, ivy leaf, speedwell, and of course flufenacet's quite good post-em as well on grasses and broadleaf weeds. And of course you can go post-emergent flufenacet if you've already used it pre-emergent, but do check the label. There are interval requirements, growth stage restriction For example, with something like Liberator, you can put 0.6 of a litre of Liberator on pre-emergence but you then need a six-week gap before you can put another 0.3 litres of Liberator on. So do check the labels and speak to your advisor about calendar day and growth stage cutoffs on the label. And maximum individual doses is something different to maximum total doses. And remember, the definition of a maximum total dose is the total dose of any product containing the same active ingredient. So be careful and be warned. Things like Diflufenacan, for example... You can put up to 125 grams per hectare active maximum total dose of DFF on. You can put a maximum total dose of 2,000 grams of pendimethalin on. You've got a 240 gram individual dose of flufenacet, but you can put 480 grams of active ingredient flufenacet on as a maximum total dose. So you get the picture. It's complicated, but make sure you're safe and legal. Slug damage increasing again, so do keep your guard up. All seed rape looking pretty well on the whole. Mid August. Drillings now well up to eight leaves, halfway up my shins in many cases. And clethodim of course needs to be on now. It's been delayed by the weather over the last week or ten days, and the fact that it needs a dry blackgrass leaf and two hours dry after application has been complicated by that. But it does need to be on by the 31st of October as per the latest label application timing. FOMA level is still very low out in all seed rate but do keep your eyes open. The threshold on a variety with the resistance rating of seven or less is when one in ten plants have FOMA leaf lesions. If you've got a resistance rating greater than seven then that reduces to one point one plant in five affected by FOMA lesion and do also remember that small plants pose the highest risk because it's a lot quicker getting from the leaf to the stem in those plants. So Winter barley, hybrid rye that you still have to drill. You should prioritise that over wheat, particularly on the heavier land, but end of October for rye in particular, if at all possible. Seed rates should also be tailored accordingly now as temperatures in both soils and the ambient begin to fall. Wheat, you should be aiming to establish between 250 and 275 plants per square metre now up to the end of October, up again to around 300 established plants per square metre first week of November. And don't forget to calculate those figures based on thousand seed weight and germination. Quite important that you have control over your own plant populations. Don't just have a guess. It's thousand seed weight multiplied by target plants per square meter divided by percentage germination multiplied by 1.1 for 10% field losses, etc. Winter barley seed rate varies depending on whether it's conventional or hybrid. Conventional drillings now you want to be about 325 to 350 plants per square meter target. Hybrid, 220 to 240 plants per square metre established target. And you'll get much higher winter losses in barley than you will with wheat, so do discuss your seed rates with your advisor. Winter oats, you're aiming around 250, 275 plants per square metre established target now. From the 1st of November you want to up that to around 300 or more. Winter beans that are going in now you want to be aiming for around 25 plants per square metre established target. And autumn sown spring beans, which is apparently now a thing, you're aiming to establish at around 40 plants per square metre. So do the sums and I'll see you
0: next week. Thanks as ever, Sean. Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services. We're joined now by Brian Richardson from Virgin Money who, along with ABP Active Business Partnerships, are inviting us to a free seminar in Lincolnshire with the title, Unashamedly Stolen from Bob Dylan, The Times They Are A-Changing for Farmers. What's it all about? Why is it worth attending? Let's find out. Uh, Morning then, Brian. How are you? Yes, very, very well.
1: Lots going on in the industry as always, so we're, uh, we're, we're very busy uh, you know, working with, with farmers everywhere.
0: Good, good. And the times, they are changing. Uh, we're very much in a period of transition at the moment. You've got a seminar coming up, which we'll talk about in a second. What do you mean by the times are changing? What's transitioning? What is changing at the moment in agriculture?
1: well i think we started off really 2 or 3 years ago uh, aware, very much aware of change post brexit that really has ramped up particularly in the last 12 months we now know that the existing payment scheme will be wound down over the next 4 or 5 years and the replacements coming in via elm different sort of support arrangements they won't be universal you will have to specifically apply for them and the the economics of those schemes are going to be somewhat different as well so while they The total pot available may be different. It's going to be distributed quite differently. I think that's very much the first part of times are changing. We've then got a, a challenge for the whole of the country, really, but particularly I think there'll be some focus on agriculture around carbon. Uh, you know, the journey towards net zero and and climate change. What are we going to do about that? There's going to be a focus on the industry. We've got COP26 coming up in November. And then we're now seeing some supply chain issues which probably are going to be around for a little while. So lots of change going on in the industry, but the principal one being the the way that the industry is supported through uh, central policy.
0: So what can we expect at the seminar, Brian? The, The focus very much is let's
1: highlight where these changes are going to come from. So you know, what are these changes and what, what might they mean? And then where can you start looking? I think we, we know agriculture is a very long-term industry. It is the proverbial oil tanker and uh, you know, decisions made on farm and changes in cropping take time to come through. So it is very much ourselves uh, at ABP and the consultants at ABP going through the policy as we know it now, where that will evolve in the future, and giving farmers the chance to start thinking about how they're going to plan their business. We're we're reasonably fortunate. I think uh, this transition period is is relatively long. So, you know, there there isn't a cliff edge that uh, everyone's going to fall off. But it does, as we know in agriculture, the earlier you can start planning and looking at the options, the better.
0: Now, you are Virgin Money. We know what you do. ABP, Active Business Partnerships, what do they do? Well, they're they're
1: very much uh, a team of uh, consultants focusing on agriculture and agribusiness. Lots of experience uh, across the the team there. We've been working closely with with many of their consultants for for quite a long time now, and they have a very good reputation in terms of supporting the industry and very much looking perhaps a a little bit further forward in terms of uh, where those challenges are going to come from. So... We bring a, a financial knowledge, uh, and you know, I obviously have some practical background in, in the industry, going back many years. And so I think it is understanding the practicalities of what's happening on farming, and then hopefully starting to provide a little bit of a roadmap that farmers can consider and the directions they might take on that.
0: Lovely. Tell me where we can find out more information and, if interested, to register. It's the 24th
1: of uh, November at 6 o'clock, Keys Sturton by Stowe. And if you uh, log on to the uh, ABP website, and uh, that's very straightforward to find, You'll be able to uh, register there for the evening, and uh, we'll look forward to welcoming people and then uh, have a cup of tea and uh, a pie afterwards and a good chat
0: excellent all right brian thanks for joining us again thank you that website is activebp.com click on the news tab and i think it's on page two with full details and a link to book your free place it's also just a couple of weeks to go until farm business innovation 2021 comes to the nec on the 10th and 11th of november tickets for that are also available online so how have the markets performed this week with this update here's open fields fred south
5: Wheat prices this week continued to ratchet higher, with the motif wheat contract trading at nine-year highs due to a combination of reduced availability of French wheat and reports of fresh sales to China. Demand looks understated as a stream of tenders to North Africa and the Middle East continued following their drought-reduced crops. Egypt launched and then cancelled a tender as prices were seen as too high, but it is difficult to see values retracing significantly given the demand profile, with reports that Saudi Arabia may also be in the market again soon. Chinese winter wheat plantings are way behind due to the heavy rains they have been having, which are also delaying their maize harvest, which could in turn lower yield and quality. China has not bought any maize since the spring, and the market is well aware of this and their return could be the catalyst for higher prices, especially with maize demand for ethanol picking up due to the good processor margins available. From a technical perspective, there are signs that wheat markets are getting overbought and due a retracement but the fundamental argument remains strong. Fund managers may be tempted to increase their stake in agricultural markets due to their link to rising inflation. Rising prices of gas and fertiliser do not argue for lower new crop prices either, with reduced production already being mooted particularly from maize, which is expensive for crop to grow. With regards to malting barley, the smaller carryout of malting barley from last season, plus increased malting barley usage which is up 11.5% in the first two months of this harvest year, is keeping malting barley market active, with premiums at healthy levels. In some regions of the UK, malting barley premiums have reached around 55 to 60 pounds a tonne over feed, which is the highest for 10 years. Beer and whisky sales are forecast to remain strong in the short and medium term, maintaining the steady demand required by consumers. However, the recently released DEFRA UK barley production figure of 7.1 million tonnes suggests there could be a 700,000 tonne exportable surplus of spring-mortaging barley. Once the domestic mortar has satisfied their needs for the season, premiums could come under pressure. On the oilseed rate rape front, rapeseed completed its recovery from last week's correction soaring to over 15 euros higher on the new, up to new contract highs, whilst Canadian canola rose as well for the fifth straight day by $17. Like wheat, the price move continues to suggest that the USDA is still overstating the size of the Canadian canola crop. Rapeseed markets continue to be well supported by overnight Chicago strength. The question is around whether we will see motif push on after reaching these contract highs or will we see some profit taking. Now onto prices. Guide feed wheat prices X. World grain, Lincolnshire, November 205, December 207, January 209, February Guide Feed Barley Prices X grain in Lincolnshire November 198 December 199 January 200 February 201 Guide Oil Seed Rate Prices November 559 December 561 January 563 February
0: Many thanks, Fred. Fred South from Openfield, as Kit Dickinson is now on paternity leave. Congratulations, Kit and family. Today, in some respects, marks the formal end of this summer's harvest. We're all being invited to celebrate this afternoon at Lincoln Cathedral with a welcome return of the Harvest Festival. Agricultural Chaplain Alan Robson.
6: Yes, this afternoon, the Lincolnshire Farming Community gather. Uh, and hopefully people from the wider community, anybody can turn up. It's not a ticketed event. You know, people could just turn up at the cathedral uh, and enjoy celebrating the produce of Lincolnshire, the people who produce it and the people who distribute it. We're hopefully having some people from the food bank and the pastor chaplains. So it's produce people and pastor chaplains. Um, and we, we're celebrating uh, the whole thing. Time to get together for the Lincolnshire folk who enjoy the countryside.
0: And, uh, yes, a nice opportunity for us all to get together, sing a few hymns and uh, get to meet some people we perhaps haven't met since last time. Mind you, there wasn't a last time, was there?
6: No, there hasn't been a a harvest for two years, I think. Mm. But anyway, we have uh, Dr Mark Betson, who's the rural lead for the Church of England uh, nationally. And he's a good chap. I'm sure he'll bring a message that will uplift and, of course, face the reality of some of the challenges going forward in the industry. But it doesn't take away that we simply just have to have gratitude for each day uh, and work our way through whatever challenges come.
0: As they always do.
6: Absolutely. So, um, yeah, we hope people will enjoy the display We've got a wonderful carving uh, by a man called John Lord, a retired farmer south of the county. It's an incredible piece of work. Um, he did two carvings, one's for the seasons of the agricultural year. And this one is a, just a wonderful map of Lincolnshire in all its diversity. So we'll be celebrating the craft people of our county as well.
0: All right, Alan, let's look forward to a full church. Everybody singing at their tops of their voices. Lincoln Cathedral this afternoon at three. I'll see you then.
6: All right, take care. All the best. The Farming
0: Programme. Five-day forecast. A drier start to the week. Southerly winds in the mid-teens MPH today, gusting into the 30s, highs of 14 degrees. Monday sees some light rain later in the day. The winds easing, and from the southwest. temperature highs staying around 14. Mostly dry through the middle of the week the wind staying from the southwest in the mid teens highs of 16 to 18 Celsius and the weekends with rain on Thursday the wind staying south to southwesterly and temperatures cooling a couple of degrees by Friday nighttime lows stay in double figures all week Finally congratulations to Britain's fittest farmers Cumbria's Erica Robeson and James Arney from Somerset who won the title for the second year running That's it for this week. Hopefully I'll see you at the Cathedral in Lincoln for the Harvest Festival this afternoon. And then in three weeks' time as I'm off for a much-delayed break, not in the sun, but the chilly wilds of Scotland. Ellie Codling will look after you while I'm away. She'll be here with the Week in Agriculture Sunday morning at 7 or whenever you like after that. Just ask your smart speaker to play the farming programme.